It's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or you're listening to the podcast at investighope.com or Google Play, iTunes, wherever podcasts are found. You can find this show. As we got a lot to talk about today, we there's a number of things happening around the country uh, concerning abortion and not, and, and we're going to touch on a little bit of all of it. So uh, late Friday, we, we had a news dump. And we talked about or we found out that uh, the drone strike that occurred uh, in Afghanistan that, that we were told was a hit on ISIS-K, the ones that were supposedly responsible for the bombing at the airport in Kabul. Uh, it turns out that was not uh, an ISIS-K member that, was, uh, that we did the drone strike on. It was actually uh, that drone strike killed 10 people, all civilians, uh, seven of those being kids. Uh, we found out that there's around 15,000 uh, uh, immigrants e- e- that who have crossed the border illegally under an underpass there in Texas at the border. Uh, most of those being uh, from uh, being Haitian, and uh, not a lot's being done there. Uh, it's a humanitarian crisis. Uh, we we found out late Friday in that news dump that uh, the treatment for COVID-19 that that's helping. Uh, in a lot of areas has been pulled back and, and the administration is saying it's, it's doing, they're doing that because of, uh, to be equitable, uh, instead of sending the, the treatments where they need to go, where the most people are sick, they're wanting to distribute them in an equitable fashion. Uh, but it, it really smells of politics. Uh, so a lot of things happening around that and, uh, uh, just a, a lot of folks, uh, rightfully so, are concerned. And uh, the trust level of government, uh, just across the board, Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. The, the trust level and the credibility of so many have, have fallen so far. Uh, now, some of that is uh, justified, some of it not. Uh, but it's concerning when, when we're getting news from, the, uh, from Washington that is is not pushing us toward a place of trust, but pushing us toward a place of distrust. And and it's concerning when it seems like so many are opposed to each other and angry at each other and fighting with each other, uh, that everything, literally everything, every issue is now political. Even those that weren't political in the past, it's now political. And, and so be praying for our country, be praying for our nation and, and the world as we uh, see what's happening and uh, I don't know, hopefully some things will change and things will turn around in the near future, but uh, we shall see. What I want to do first off today is, is give us a, a look into uh, Texas. As we, as we look at Texas and the uh, uh, abortion law uh, out of Texas that a lot of people are up in arms about, the Supreme Court came out and said, we're not going to rule on it because we're just not at a place to do that. It hasn't gone through the proper channels. Uh, so, so what, what's happened in Texas is right now, uh, abortion at six weeks is, uh, outlawed. And, and so we talked about it a number of times on the show, but, uh, now the Justice Department, uh, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, uh, have filed lawsuit against, uh, Texas. So, uh, it's a very odd lawsuit against the Texas abortion law, specifically the fact that the complaint does not identify an actual statutory or other cause of action and that DOJ's parents 
uh, legal theory or uh, their legal theory would appear to give the federal government standing to sue to strike down any state law that violates the Constitution, regardless of whether other actors in our system would have standing to sue. Let me add three preliminary observations. This is an article over at National Review, uh, specifically focusing on the portion of the complaint that asserts that the federal government has a right to sue because the Texas law interferes with federal programs. First, the complaint offers a stark reminder of how many different ways there are, in spite of the Hyde Amendment, that the federal government finds to pay for abortions or mandate that others do so. So if you're not familiar, the Hyde Amendment is uh, an amendment that, that's been put into place, I mean, forever. Uh, with bipartisan support so that tax dollars do not fund abortions. But obviously the federal government is going to look for ways around that to fund abortions with your money. Uh, and so there's other ways that they, they mandate others to do so, and the list is lengthy. Labor Department's Job Corps, which requires contractors to carry health insurance that covers abortion. Office of Refugee Resettlement, which provides access to abortion services to unaccompanied children. Here, that means teenage girls in the country illegally. Bureau of Prisons, which provides abortions to inmates. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which mandates that states cover certain abortions through Medicaid. Office of Personnel Management, which in covering federal employees has entered into contracts with qualifying carriers that cover abortion procedures in permitted circumstances under federal law. The Department of Defense, which provides abortions on its facilities. Some of these are fairly narrow. The DOD, for example, is legally allowed to perform abortions only for rape, incest, or the life of the mother. Still, the complaints list offers a roadmap of potential congressional and executive branch fights in the federal promotion of abortion. Second, the government may be using the law's interference with federal operations as a lever to enable it to file a broader lawsuit, but the case for granting emergency injunctive relief to the federal government is dubious. Recall the structure of this law, in which enforcement can come only through private lawsuits in the Texas courts, means that nobody will be penalized unless and until a suit is filed. Now, critics of the law worry that it will have a chilling effect. Who will want to provide abortions, knowing that they could face ruin, ruinous civil damages claims? Who has pockets that deep? Well, here comes Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice to remind us that there is, in fact, somebody with pockets that deep. The federal government, which is presently debating adding $3.5 trillion to its budget and can clearly afford quite a few $10,000 penalties. Moreover, the odds of collecting in a suit against the feds would be steep for a number of reasons. Notably, nowhere in the complaint is there any claim, as where as were raised in the case of the Supreme Court turned aside, that the feds will decline to provide the enumerated abortion services in fear of Senate Bill 8 there in Texas. It is hard to see how you get an injunction or at least defend one on appeal in that situation. Where is the irreparable harm? Third, the fact that the Democrats are willing to turn the Justice Department yet again into a weapon against states passing abortion laws suggests that the aftermath of the Dobbs case in the event that the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade will be neither Congress passing a law codifying Roe or banning abortion, nor the states regaining control of the issue, but a long campaign of massive federal resistance to state laws from Democratic administrations, the bureaucracy, and Democratic Congress. So look, you know, as, as a lot of people are concerned, 
uh, mainly being those that are for abortion. They're like, oh, no, the, the sky is falling. Texas passed a law that, that outlaws abortion at six weeks. Uh, oh, no, the sky is falling. Mississippi has passed a law that the Supreme Court is going to take up outlawing abortion at 15 weeks. Oh, no, the sky is falling. Tennessee has a 48-hour waiting period and an ultrasound uh, requirement. Oh, no, the sky is falling. These red states ha- hate women. That is what we hear. Of course, that isn't true, but that's what we hear. And and I've said it before, in the same way that these left-leaning states are, are preparing for the day that Roe is overturned by making abortion okay throughout the pregnancy for anyone, uh, the, the red states, the conservative states, are going to go the other direction, seeking to outlaw abortion. I mean, of course that's what's going to happen. And, and so it isn't about whether a case is overturned or whether Roe v. Wade is overturned. What we're seeing now is the groundwork by the federal government to say, okay, if Roe is overturned, how do we, how do we fight to continue to have abortion? Okay, if Roe is overturned, the Supreme Court doesn't agree with us and the Supreme Court leans right and we lean left, how do we fight that? If the Hyde Amendment is in place and tax dollars can't pay for abortion, how do we circumvent that? How do we go around that requirement to make sure that abortion is accessible? That's what they're going to do. They're going to get creative, just like conservatives have gotten creative. They're going to get creative in the federal government and figure out ways to make abortion still be a thing and to make taxpayers pay for it. And and they see nothing wrong with that. They don't mind going after little sisters of the poor. They don't mind going after Catholic charities. They don't mind going after those that stand adamantly in the pro-life camp. They don't mind going after pregnancy centers. You see, because they see abortion as the be-all, end-all. So they're going to do everything they can, regardless of what Supreme Court decides, regardless of what a state passes. They're going to do everything they can to make it difficult for those that would like to see abortion go away. And so when, when the thought is, well, we'll fight you in the courts, the federal government says, okay, we print money, we'll just, we'll fight that. So if you're in Texas and you're a citizen that sues, because that's the way the law is written, that, that if you know somebody that had an abortion or somebody that, I mean, somebody that performed that abortion, you can sue that person that performed the abortion for up to $10,000. If the federal government comes in and says, we're going to fight the case on behalf of the abortion doctor, well, you as a citizen, what are you going to do? You don't have unlimited funds. You don't print money. See, they're going to make it so difficult for people to do this that it's going to be uh, their their hope is that people will not file suit and that abortions can occur. They're going to make federal regulations that I, the list I just read to you, they're going to make more of those so that abortions can happen around the country. You see, the the interesting thing about the federal government is they can circumvent and get around some of the rules. So, okay, well, this state doesn't allow abortion or this state has a new law in effect. Well, we'll just come in because here's a unaccompanied minor that is pregnant. We don't care what state they're in. We're going to allow them to have an abortion and we'll pay for it with your tax dollars. Oh, we have people in prison. We'll pay for their abortion with your tax dollars. Oh, we have military members. We'll pay for their abortion with your tax dollars. 
You see, they don't see anything wrong with that. Because, again, they believe abortion is the right that trumps all rights. That doesn't mean we stop fighting. It doesn't mean we stop crafting legislation. It just means we better be prepared. States better be prepared. So is Texas ready to go against the federal government? I think they are. Is Tennessee ready to go against the federal government? I think they are. But there may be some states not willing to make that fight. They don't have the the dollars to, to have that fight. And so there'll be some pro-life states that go, okay, we're going to back down because we can't do it. So whether it's political capital or actual capital money, is are these leaders in some of these states prepared for the fight? Are they prepared for that court battle? And not just to get a campaign slogan, not just to raise money from voters, not just to, to have the bully pulpit and go and, and scream that they're pro-life, but actually willing to, to do it. You see, I, I'd, I'd much rather have a leader that is willing to, to dig in and have that court battle than, than use it as a campaign marketing tool as they seek reelection. Cause let's be honest, that's what a lot of them do is it's a campaign marketing tool that they can raise money on and seek reelection on. I'd much rather you do your job. Put your money where your mouth is and fight it in the courts. That's what I want to see. Because guess what? If you do that and you win, the campaign, the funds, all of that will take care of itself. Because you did what you said you were going to do. The frustrating thing is when you say you're going to do all these things and you never do them. But you keep campaigning on the same things. And so it'll be interesting to see as we move forward what the federal government is willing to do against the states and what the states are willing to do against the federal government when it comes to abortion. So just because the Hyde Amendment is in place doesn't mean that your tax dollars aren't paying for abortions because they are in other ways. You think about, I I briefly mentioned the close to 15,000 people that are under the underpass there in Texas crossing the border. You think any of them are pregnant? You think any of them are wanting an abortion? What's going to happen there? We'll likely never know. But it'll be your tax dollars that take care of it. We'll be back. So as the conversation continues, Google is up to its old tricks again. No uh, no surprise there. Look, you know, the... the the pro-life fight is is an uphill battle. We know that. Uh, it's been that way since 1973. It's going to continue uh, again because it's the golden calf. It's the uh, it's the one that that the left, the, the progressives, want to fight. They want abortion at all cost. And and so the the truth is, these folks have a lot of powerful people on their side. Uh, and we see that with what Google is doing right now. So according to pro-life organization Live Action, Google has banned all of the group's online advertising and prohibited the group from promoting its new video featuring a lifelike reproduction of how an unborn baby develops in the womb. 
On Twitter, Live Action founder and president Lila Rose shared a screenshot of Google's message telling the group that its ads are no longer permitted, citing their, quote, unreliable claims, end quote. Among the advertisements blocked was one with information about abortion pill reversal, or APR, a safe and effective medical procedure that can halt a chemical abortion if the pregnant woman decides she wants to keep her baby before taking the second dose of the abortion drug. Quote, abortion activists knew the ads were making a difference, so they had Google shut them down, end quote. That's what Lila Rose alleges. It wouldn't be especially surprising to find out that this was the case, as the abortion rights movement has moved swiftly in recent years to oppose APR technology. In a piece earlier this year, this author reported on the science of APR as well as the political fight brewing over the medical technology. Dr. Christina Francis, chairman of the board of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists and a provider of APR, uh, told this author that many women who seek help for reversing a chemical abortion find information about APR on Google after beginning to regret their decision. One patient told Francis, quote, that as soon as she took the abortion drug, she immediately regretted it. And she went home and Googled, can I reverse my abortion, end quote. That Google search led her to Francis, and after a successful APR treatment, the woman went on to carry the term and deliver a healthy son. Though abortion providers and activists often claim that abortion pill reversal is unsafe, the science behind it is perfectly sound. A high dose of progesterone that can help halt and repair the negative effects of the first chemical abortion pill in the largest case series studying abortion pill reversal, nearly 70% of women who received the treatment were able to undo the effects and carry healthy babies to term. None had an increased risk of complications or birth defects. It's a pretty big number. Because of the method's success, pro-lifers now advocate requiring abortionists to inform women about APR before providing chemical abortion drugs. Quote, part of informed consent is talking about risk, benefits, and alternatives. That's basic, end quote. Francis told, uh, said, citing statistics suggesting that women who regret abortion are at a higher risk for a variety of mental health disorders. Unsurprisingly, abortion groups oppose these laws and have already challenged them in several states. This from the movement that calls itself pro-choice, but the, that in fact refuses to inform women that they may be able to safely reverse an unwanted chemical abortion. In their ongoing effort to push women into choosing abortion, they seem to have Google on their side. And so if you're going to claim to be pro-choice, if you're going to claim to be pro-choice, pro-choice means you're either going to choose to have the baby or not to have the baby. You see, me being pro-life, there's no black, there's no gray area, right? I'm pro-life. So it isn't about, oh, do you want to choose life or not? Being pro-life means it's a life and it needs to be protected. But being pro-choice, I've been told my whole life that pro-choice means, look, it's up to the woman whether she wants to have the baby or not. And if she wants to have the baby, then that's fine. That's what pro-choice is. Yet, when it comes to abortion pill reversal, the abortion lobby is going, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 we don't, we don't need that. It's unsafe, even though studies show that it's not, even though studies show that 70% have been successful and with no long-term, long-term effects, even though we have not just anecdotal evidence, but we have doctors sharing their stories. Even though we know for a fact that there are babies walking around today because of abortion pill reversal. Even though we know that, that women have 
second-guess themselves, even though we know that women who take the first pill may go, oh, no, that's not what I want to do. And now they, they're going to have trouble when they Google when they Google, hey, can I reverse an abortion? Now some of these ads aren't going to pop up. Why is that? Because there's a narrative. There's an agenda being pushed. Hold on. I thought you were pro-choice. Pro-choice would mean even if they change their mind, you support them, right? Women have the right to change their mind, don't they? Isn't that women's empowerment that you have the right to change your mind? Well, apparently not. You see, abortion pill reversal isn't some kind of suedo science that, that, that's kooky and doesn't work. It works. And it works, we know this by evidence, but we also know this because the abortion lobby has now turned their sights on abortion pill reversal. Not because it's, it's dangerous, but because it's going to hurt their bottom line. It's going to hurt their agenda. Again, if you're pro-choice, wouldn't you lay out all the options for these women? Hey, here are the risks of an abortion. But you know what? There is an option for you, even if you change your mind after the first pill. No, they don't want to tell them that because they don't believe they should have the baby. You see, they claim women's empowerment. They claim, I am woman, hear me roar. But, but when the woman wants to roar, they want to tell her to shut up. You don't need this baby. Like, Do you understand that? So if a young lady comes in and, and she's debating on whether or not to have an abortion, if she's in an abortion clinic, there's no talking about, I think you can do this. You got this. You'll be okay. No, they're not encouraging her. They're, they're saying, look, you can get pregnant again some other time, but this isn't the right time. Let us take care of it for you. See, they mask it as a sense of love and like they, they're looking out for your best interest. But the reality is, they're not looking out for your best interest. They want your money. And they want to perform more abortions. That's the fact. That's what the numbers suggest. That's what the marketing suggests. That's what the legal attacks suggest. If you want to know what method is working, watch who the abortion lobby goes after. So in California and, and Hawaii and some other places, they went after pregnancy centers. Why? Because the method works. So we're going to attack pregnancy centers. When it comes to legal battles, when it comes to cases like that out of Texas or Mississippi or Tennessee or other conservative states, they go after and immediately fight it in the courts. Why? Because they are working. And they see the writing on the wall. So, well, if the courts can't give us what we want, we'll just try to mandate it through the federal government. If the courts can't give us what we want, we'll just look for an executive order. If the courts can't give us what we want, we'll work around it. You see, so, so if you want to know what method is working, just watch what the abor abortion lobby is doing. So now it's abortion pill reversal seems to be working and people are learning more about it. Because we have social media and we have the internet on our phones. We, we have access to all this information. And now women are going, hold on, I can reverse this. Maybe I do want to reverse this. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I do want my baby. 
And so what do they do? They, they use Google to take down those ads. You see, it's not false claims. When live action is, has an ad that shows a baby growing in the womb, that's not a false claim. That's what actually happens. That's how the baby progresses in the womb. And here we are in 2021. We should be able to see that. And so what this means is our movement is working. Now we got a lot of work to do because we got an uphill battle, but it's working. And these are positive things. We'll talk more when we come back. So as the conversation continues, we're now looking at uh, an article out of the New York Times where a writer, Linda Greenhouse, uh, said that indulging in the lazy, she's actually indulging in a lazy argument, that those who favor pro-life policies wish to impose their religion through law because of pro-lifers we are, in short, Lurching toward theocracy. That's see, when whenever folks hear a pro lifer, they just immediately think, Oh, you want a theocracy. You want to push your religion on everybody else, and you don't care. And, and so think about that for a second. Wanting babies to live means that you are wanting to push your religion on everybody else. Right now, what's happening in Afghanistan, the Taliban coming in and taking over, that is a theocracy. They, they just announced that women can no longer go to school. They're murdering women. They're killing children in the name of a religion. That is forcing their religion on someone else to the extreme. All we're saying as pro-lifers is we think we just think the baby should be protected. That's all. So it says this, quote, Republican politicians used to offer secular rationales for their anti-abortion zealotry. They claim that abortion hurt women or that abortion procedures demean the medical profession, end quote. Uh, and then Greenhouse goes on further, says, I could go on with this list, but these examples are sufficient to raise the question for those of us not on board with a theocracy in America. Who let God into the legislative chamber? The answer is that we did. Our silence has turned us into enablers of those who are now foisting their religious beliefs on a country founded on opposition to an established church. Well, that's just nonsense, but uh, we'll go with it. She enumerates the Catholic justices on the court, and while she notes that two of them voted the way she would have preferred on the Texas Heartbeat Act, she fails to acknowledge that these, this undercuts, undercuts her case. She admiringly cites former New York Governor Mario Cuomo, who uh, pioneered the incoherent notion that a politician could personally oppose abortion because of his religious beliefs while prudently refusing to impose his own morality on the populace this argument makes no more sense now than it did when cuomo debuted it in 1984 for one thing all laws impose some vision of morality laws against theft murder slavery similarly echo the theology of several major religions and are based on a certain notion of right and wrong i.e morality yet few would oppose those laws on the grounds that they improperly inject religion into public life This argument rarely arises in the context of any law other than those regulating abortion, and it would be dismissed out of hand if it did. It functions merely to silence abortion opponents without addressing their actual arguments. 
Meanwhile, only ignorance or intellectual dishonesty could explain Greenhouse's refusal to acknowledge that the central arguments against Roe v. Wade and legal abortion are not religious in nature and are shared by any number of non-religious Americans. Roe is an anti-constitutional travesty. It's bad law. Legal scholars across the political spectrum and with divergent views on abortion have said as much. Arguments in favor of striking down the court's groundless and unworkable abortion jurisprudence have nothing to do with religion. Likewise, one need not be religious to acknowledge biological reality. The unborn child is a distinct, living human being. Abortion, therefore, is an act of violence. It is a procedure that, when successful, kills that distinct, living human being. It should be obvious that attempting to restrict or abolish such a procedure does not require imposing God or religion on other citizens. It doesn't even require belief in God. Greenhouse is far from the first commentator to insist that opposition to abortion stems from a desire to impose one faith on others. It is a highly unoriginal argument most often advanced by zealots, abortion rights activists, who disparage their opponents in lieu of defending their own position, and Greenhouse should know better than to indulge it. That is spot on. Look, I'm against abortion for a number of reasons. Sure, my faith plays a role in that. But also science. Also, when I open my eyes and I look at everyone I come in contact with, they all tell me life begins at the womb. They all do. I mean, it, it is it is infuriating to me to, to hear folks say, oh, it's just a religion thing. You just want to impose your religion on me. No, that, that's not at all the case. If I wanted to impose my religion on you, if I wanted a theocracy, then I would I would want a president that would say, if you don't bow your knee to Jesus, the son of God, the one true God. Then you'll be thrown in prison. You see, that's a theocracy. If you live a lifestyle that, that goes in opposition to the gospel. Then you're not going to have certain rights in this country. That's a theocracy. A theocracy would say, if you are not going to pray when we call for prayer, you will be fined or thrown in prison. If you are going to live outside of what we would call a biblical worldview, then you are going to be fined or thrown in prison. That's a theocracy. You see, we're not pushing for that. Not at all. What we're saying is that is an individual life, never created before, never will be created again, and it deserves protections under the law, just like every other human deserves protections under the law, just like every other human in this country has a certain number of rights. Well, the unborn should have those rights as well. That's all it's saying. I'm not telling you to convert to Christianity. I'm not telling you to convert to the Muslim faith or any other faith for that matter. I'm not telling you you must believe in God. I'm telling you that that life growing in the womb is a unique individual human that deserves protection. That's what we're saying. This isn't about a theocracy. And that's a weak, ignorant argument to make. And you see, they they throw that out there because they're going to get their abortion friends to jump on and say, yeah, they just want a theocracy. You have no idea what a theocracy is. That's not the case at all. At all. But it is interesting, like the author of that article in National Review said, 
You don't hear this moral argument when it comes to murder, when it comes to stealing, when it comes to robbery. You don't hear this, oh, you're just trying to push your religion on me because your religion says you can't kill. You're just wanting a theocracy. Why can't I kill? Well, no, because that's a laughable argument. Oh, well, you're saying that I can't steal from my neighbor? Well, what is this, a theocracy? How come we don't hear those arguments? Oh, because you pick and choose what's moral and what's not. That's right. That's right. You see, when you start making those arguments that hey, you're just wanting a theocracy and we're inching closer and closer to a theocracy, I mean, it, it is it is laughable. Laughable. I mean, I think you can take one glance at our country and the direction it's been going. It's pretty clear it's not turning into a Christian theocracy. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty clear. And so to make that argument is, is just, uh, ignorant. Not true. It's, it's simple. It's simple-minded and, and it doesn't take a lot of effort. Which is why they make the argument. Cause we can throw these terms out at theocracy and how the Christian, the right-wing Christian nuts are trying to push their, their moral agenda on us and they're trying to push their faith on us and they're trying to get everybody in the church and, and they're seeking a, that's just not true. There's no evidence to show that. Zero evidence to show that. It's the same argument they make. Well, well, when they have prayer in school, when they pray or have a moment of silence before a ball game, that's theocracy. No, it's not. Your argument is silly and has no basis in fact. So although... Me, my being pro-life is, is, has certainly has a faith foundation. My fighting for the life of that unborn child isn't about making sure that mom is a, is, is going to be a believer. And do I want her to become a believer? Yes. I'm not going to apologize for that. But I just think intrinsically each life has value. And that baby growing in the womb deserves a chance at life. Period. And there's a lot of folks that believe that too that aren't Christian. So to, to say that we're seeking a theocracy is silly. And again, we, we talked about it before. The, the argument against us is that how dare you want to see more lives saved? I mean, now they're going to paint it a different way. Oh, you're trying to control women. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. But ultimately, we just want to see more lives saved. Their agenda wants to see heartbeats extinguished. They want to see more heartbeats extinguished because a successful abortion means a life has ended. And they can try to skirt it all they want and say, well, it's not really a life, it's a blob, or it's not really a heartbeat, it's it's a cardiac pulse. Whatever you want to call it to make you sleep better at night. But, but we all know what it is. 
we all know it because when someone comes to you, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, and they say, hey, I'm pregnant. I heard the heartbeat today. Are you going to look at them and say, well, it wasn't really a heartbeat, so I don't know what you're so excited about. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd be excited for them. Why? Because you know it's a baby. You're going to ask them what their name, what they're going to name it so you can get them monogram clothing. You're going to buy them a diaper bag because it's a baby. And you know that. We'll talk more when we come back. So as we finish up today, hopefully today's show has been fruitful. Hopefully you learned something, made you think about something, made you think about how you can be more involved, how you can how you can make a difference in the lives of those around you. If you want to help us out at Hope, you can by going to investinghope.com. You can learn more about the work that we do at Hope Resource Center every single day serving moms and their babies. Uh, we have parenting classes going on right now, have baby showers coming up very soon. If you want to partner with us, just click on the Donate tab uh, when you go to InvestingHope.com. If you want to listen to this show, listen to past shows, you can at InvestingHope.com. Also, you can find it at Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. Or you can just tune in live every single Tuesday afternoon at 5 o'clock on Joy 620 here in Knoxville. However you get your shows uh, and your information and your radio, we would certainly appreciate you adding us to the list. One thing I do want to point out on the podcast we reached 10,000 downloads, uh, 10,000 people, 10,000 downloads of the show, and grateful for that. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, sometimes I wonder, is anyone listening? Am I talking to myself? So I appreciate the fact uh, that we can measure that, and uh, grateful for your support and your partnership in the work that we're doing uh, here in Knoxville, Tennessee, making a difference. Lives are being saved because you partner with us. Moms are being loved on because you partner with us. Parenting education is being handed out because you partner with us. Medical professionals are getting a chance to sit down with patients because you partner with us. And we couldn't do any of that without you. So we are grateful uh, that you stand with us. If you, again, want to learn more, go to investinghope.com. Uh, we thank the churches here in the community and around us in East Tennessee that are partnering with us as well. There's so much work to be done, but I think it's important that we take some time to reflect on the work that has been done and the amazing partnerships that have occurred and the differences that that, that has made in the lives of so many. Thousands and thousands and thousands of women and, and babies have had to have their life dramatically changed because you stand with us at Hope Resource Center. And we are grateful for that. The, the goal is that moms would be loved and, mom, and babies would be saved. The goal is that less abortions would occur. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that happen every single day uh, because uh, of your support, because of your stance, and because of your desire to see these moms loved well. And so I'm thankful for that, really. It's not uh, – sometimes we give false uh, – Thankfulness, and it's not false. It is It is really amazing to me that the Lord has used uh, so many in the lives of so many at Hope Resource Center. And uh, we get messages often from folks that came in years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, or just a year ago, and said, thank you for being there in my time of need. And, uh, man, it really is remarkable. I had a chance on Friday to, to talk with some folks over at the ERLC and uh, some supporters and just share about the work that's being done 
uh, not just here in Tennessee, but across the country. And it's just amazing uh, the difference that's being made because so many people are stepping up. Uh, for, for a long time, people saw this as only a political issue. And uh, although it is a political issue, it is not first and foremost a political issue. It's, a, it's an issue that the church has to respond to. Uh, and, and we're doing that. And we're thankful that, that you are uh, a part of that and making a difference and that uh, women are being loved and served well. And so it was an honor to share that with, uh, with, with some folks on Friday morning. Uh, I have some meetings coming up the next couple of weeks with some folks that uh, haven't been connected with us in the past, but looking to connect with us moving forward. And, and all that happens because of the work uh, of Hope Resource Center and because uh, you make that work happen and, and make that work possible. And so we're, we're grateful for that. We have a couple things coming up in October, a golf tournament. If you want to play in the golf tournament, participate in that at, at all, uh, investinghope.com. You can learn more about that. It's going to be a great time at Getty's View, and uh, we'd love to see you out there. Uh, we have uh, a number of things happening. We just finished our race. We met our goal. I think uh, last week or the week before, I told you we were about $700 away from our goal. We met and exceeded our goal for our hope, Run With Hope 5K, 10K. We have people from all over the country helping us and partnering with us in that. And we thank you for that. Have the golf tournament coming up in October. And then we're inching ever so closely to the end of the year. And you'll be getting a, a piece of mail from us in the near future uh, talking about what we've been able to do over the last year and what we look to do uh, in the coming years. And so thank you so much for partnering with us. Thank you for standing for life. Thank you for caring about your neighbors. And thank you for uh, allowing hope to be a reality for so many. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>